Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. I hope you're well. I'm fine. I'm feeling very grateful and safe and afraid because California is in real trouble. This is where I've been spending my lockdown. I, uh, I mean, not only are we having our asses kicked by COVID, but now there is a fire clusterfuck happening across the state there is something like i think 300 fires 30 of which are considered to be quite serious and there was a fire-nado last week which sounds made up but it isn't it's a fucking tornado with fire in it so it's pretty heartbreaking just to know that after everything that this country and the city and the state has already been through to know that there's just more ahead when people are already just going through so much just Please, whatever you still have, feel so grateful for it. Practice that gratitude and also anything you can spare. Let's all join forces to give to those in need. I mean, all around the world, of course, but right now, those who are losing their homes at rapid speed in California. Um, with all of the the sadness and horror in the world right now, I do feel like it is important that we are able to access some sort of light and joy. And that's why while this podcast is, you know, about something quite serious, which is mental health and shame and trauma, etc. I try to inject as many humorous people into it as I possibly can. And today's guest is no exception. He is a friend of mine. He is extremely funny, extremely interesting and insightful and completely unique. So unique that, and he doesn't actually know this. I can't believe I didn't tell him when we were sitting down together. <laughs> but all of the good parts of Jahani that are lovable, I'm pretty sure... I copied from this person. He was definitely part of my inspiration for the things that I love about Tahani because I had to create her from scratch. And the things that I hate about her, I copied from some people in the UK who I can't name because I'm still friends with them on Facebook. Anyway, I um, I'm so excited for you to get to know Joe. Joe's had such an extraordinary rise in the comedy industry. He's also a wonderful, wonderful TV host, such a, a frank and hysterical young voice. He has also been through something extremely traumatic this year, so unexpectedly. He lost his best friend earlier this year, just before lockdown, and not to COVID, to something else that he'd been suffering with for a while. And he's had to go through this grief period alone in lockdown and I think quite a lot of people out there can probably relate to having to sit in their grief during a moment where there's no distraction there's no way to escape it you just have to sit in it and so Joe talks to me about grief at length and it's also wonderful to hear a man talking about his emotions like that and what it's like to lose someone what it's like to lose a friend but just generally it feels so timely to have that difficult conversation and he really bared his whole soul uh, sometimes in very funny and disgusting ways but also in very moving ways uh, we talked about so many different things anxiety etc comedy his uh, his truly bizarre uh, form of activism that is actually highly effective and very very entertaining I'm not going to say more because you should just get to know him and after you've listened to this episode I strongly suggest you make yourself a cup of tea and sit down and YouTube him for about 11 hours which is what I do whenever I miss him so without further ado please enjoy the idyllic Joe Lysette 
Lysett, welcome to I Weigh. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm all right. It's just so nice to see your face. It's been years. How hot do you think I am? Um, I think you're super hot. I was just thinking, I've had like a... Let's thought, find out. Hang on. Okay, wait. <laughs> I am 37.1. 37.1. I am super hot. That's, wait, isn't that That's low? quite close. No, uh, I think another couple of... Is, is normal. You're under. I think your temperature's no, under what no, it's no, supposed no. to be. This is, se- this is centigrade. Centi- oh. Is it centigrade? Yeah. Centi- centimetres. Centipede? Yeah. Centipede. <laughs> 37.1, I think, is just short of a fever. But oh, I have it- just had a nap, so I'm slightly I'm slightly overheating when I've had a nap. Well, also, you had a hot dal just before you spoke to me. And I had a Some hot in- dal. Indian food before you talked to your Indian friend. Um, I, uh, I I was just thinking <laughs> on my way here. I've just had a, par- a paratha <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, what, what other Indian foods are there? Of, uh, just any curry, I suppose, isn't yeah, it, most curries? That's exactly, it's all just curry. Um, I've, had, I've had all of it. I've had all of it. I was thinking on the way here about the moment that we actually became friends. And I think it, I can crystallise it down to a single moment of you and I were having our first dinner together. It was like a friend mm. date. It was in yeah. one of the houses, the Soho houses, I think Shoreditch. Yeah, yes, probably. And uh, we were sitting opposite each other and it was so loud and packed in there that I could not, for love nor money, get the waiter's attention uh, in order for us to get the bill so we could leave. And so in a moment of complete panic, I just barked at him. Yeah. Oh God. I, I knew totally that forgotten the that. one sound that would get his attention is him thinking, mm. "Why the fuck is there a dog in this restaurant?" And then immediately yeah. we got the bill, and you looked at me with eyes that told me we were going to be friends for a really long yeah. time. I think I just went. <laughs> I mean, it was so unexpected. I didn't announce it. I just gave one clean. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I I actually forgotten that, and and it's bringing. I can. I'm, I'm back there in that chair. And um, I'm sure I'd had some sort of Indian cuisine on that occasion as well, probably. Probably. And um, that's your anti-racism. I was, so, <laughs> I was yeah. <laughs> I only do it then just to prove that I'm not a racist because yeah. the rest of the time I'm actively racist. Um, uh, I was so thrown thrown aback by it. It was an absolutely ridiculous thing to do. Yeah. You, but you literally barked at a waiter. Yeah. Not in a rude way, just in a please pay some attention to me way. Um, well, no, it wasn't. You, you, you were getting agitated. I can. I remember sort of watching you sort of um, flailing about, sort of struggling to get his attention. And gosh, that is annoying, particularly when you're in somewhere like Soho House or wherever. It, it was Shoreditch House. You've paid membership there to be there. You feel like you should get better service than average. No, I just needed to go. Like I had to go home and he wouldn't look at me. So I, I barked. Yeah. Like a winner. And it did work. It was an effective strategy. (laughs) Um, So anyone out there who needs to figure out, if we ever go to restaurants ever again, that is a golden tactic. Um, How are you coping with lockdown, Joe? You all right? You look great. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm quite well uh, at the moment. I am... I've sort of, like everyone, I've sort of struggled with it a bit, had a nice time, but I worked my absolute tits off um, before lockdown kicked in and I was looking forward anyway to having some time off and then suddenly the whole world just sort of stopped and I was like, oh, okay. And um, and so what I realised, because I, I found that I, I sort of was suffering with um, this sort of weird anxiety beforehand and myself and everyone that I know had sort of put it down to being um, just working too much. And actually, I think... Part of why I um, found the anxiety lifted in lockdown was because I didn't have to hang out with loads of the people that I would normally have hung out with, not to um, slag <laughs> off my um, friends and family. But I realised that actually I just I, I spend a lot of my time just saying, oh, yes, I'll go for dinner or, oh, yes, I'll go to that pub. And actually, I really like just sitting on my own and having a think. Right. And I, don't, I, haven't done, I haven't done lots of that. So lockdown has been a real way of doing that. Problem with me is, I think normally the conclusion that I arrive at is open a bottle of pig pool. And so I've just, uh, the the natural thought process has ended with a a glass of wine. And so I've just been shit faced for the entire time. On your own. I've quite enjoyed it. Just on your own, Uh, pissed as a fart for four months. Normally on a Zoom call, basically. (laughs) So I'll normally have a FaceTime or a Zoom call. And, um, uh, but I'll be drunk. Can you hear what's going on in the background? Yeah, what is that? 
So because it's Thursday night, um, on my road, I live on quite a long road in Birmingham and it's full of absolute lunatics. And they started, <laughs> because we don't do the applause on a Thursday anymore, they wander down the road with like foghorns and stuff. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we used to applaud for the NHS, but now they go down with foghorns. And actually it's really nice because they do collections for um, uh, food banks, whatever, but they really go to town on it and really make a racket. Oh, that's And I did so tell great. them, I, I, I put a note through everyone's door. I said, I will be speaking to Jamila Jamil <laughs> seven o'clock sharp and please do not make that racket outside my house and well, they failed me. Maybe they're, maybe they're actually applauding me then, not the NHS nurses for the great service of this podcast. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I, that, I didn't, I didn't yeah, think of that, you know. Didn't click. No, that's fine. Didn't click. Um, yeah. How long had you had that weird anxiety that you described before lockdown? So the the first so that the symptom which is really annoying is uh, it makes me feel sick and I can't eat or drink when it's at its worst and everything closes up but not even that like I start to sort of at its absolute worst start to sort of wretch when I have like a glass of water or whatever it's sort of really Christ yeah isn't what? that annoying that's so annoying but also did you is that why it took so long to find because it was what, like last April, last summer, or something that you started. It was last feeling summer when I. Well, it's last summer. I I went to the Edinburgh Festival and I had a beer, and uh, it made me feel a bit weird. And then I just could, it, uh, gradually as that day went on, I couldn't really, and then couldn't really eat or drink anything. And then it just got worse and worse, and to the point where I thought, well, I've got some sort of stomach issue. So I went to bed and just took myself off. And I'm, I, I wonder whether I did have an actual physical symptom that has just been, you know, built up in my head a little bit. Um, and then it just sort of stuck around on and off for months. And, and I, re- I gradually started to realize because it was reading, um, a passage in Bella Mackey's book, uh, called Jog On, which is a brilliant book about, um, how jogging sort of helped her with her anxiety. And she just described having a panic attack and all of that stuff. And I was like, Oh, uh, this, ah, it's all tick, tick, tick. And so, um, I realized it was, was that. And did you, I've since did you, been seeing, did you not think for a while that it was just like an actual illness? Like it might yeah, be a well, stomach illness. Cause I, yeah, I thought I had like, um, some sort of, um, stomach whatever. But um, no, it was it's in the old brain box. So uh, th- that's I found it a really interesting exercise. So um, there's a therapist I've been seeing, and she the, the main trigger was beer, and she just said your homework is have a pint of beer, and I, I love that as a as a homework. But at the time, because beer was so terrifying to me, I was like, oh, uh, I'm not sure I can do that. And she said, well, what's the worst that could happen? I was like, well, I'll be sick. And she's like, you're in the house on your own, just be sick. And I said, what? Then at least you know where you're at. And so I just had and struggled with the first pint and then there was the second pint and the third pint. And then I saw it as like a, a bit of a challenge. And that's one of the things I've discovered with anxiety is that if you kind of, when you feel in a, like a panic attack or whatever coming on, don't resist it and actually almost, and it sounds ridiculous, sort of will it on and go, come on then, let's have a fucking party. Yeah. Because it, then then it doesn't really have anything to hold on to. Catherine Bohart talks about that, as the fact that you've just got to see if the world does actually end when you do the thing that you are most afraid of. Yeah, and it and doesn't, I think that's does great. It? No, it doesn't. Wait, so, okay, so do you have anxiety from beer? Or do you have anxiety from social? What what is the anxiety? Because that's the thing that I don't understand. So is it? Could you be having like a bad reaction to beer, or does beer trigger you to remember something? Or I think the beer triggers it- trig- it, it, it triggers me to remember something, right? Uh, but um, which is essentially that moment at that time when I was having that beer, and suddenly I was in, and it was a social thing. I was around people, and I felt like I should be having fun, and everyone else was having fun, and I was thinking I can't have fun because I can't swallow. And then you start to go into this sort of weird spiral head thing. Oh, that's interesting. So something, so it, so actually, the anxiety is kind of a symptom of what happened in that moment. In a way, yeah, yeah. I think that that mo- that, that those the. I was the, the moment that I remember specifically is being in a gig watching a stand-up show and, and my friend Harry bought me a beer and we sat down and we were like watching this stand-up show and it was really good. Aaron Chen, his name is, very funny. And um, I just couldn't drink the beer and I just said, oh, you have it because I can't have it. Well, he ruined and your then- life. You should sue. I, well, I, I am in the process of suing. Don't you worry about Great. that. I'm sure you are. Well, no, the other thing is, so... Uh, 
a friend of mine, uh, a very close friend of mine, had um, uh, died just before lockdown. So this is the other thing that was sort of slightly um, weird about lockdown is that this friend of mine, he's uh, argued, well, he has, he's, he's been to more things than anyone else uh, in my life in terms of like he's sort of followed me to gigs, little gigs, all the way up to going on that Graham Norton show and all these different things that I'd done. And he was at pretty much all of them mm. um, and was a very close friend. And he got diagnosed a few years ago with bowel cancer, which gradually progressed. And then he died over, um, uh, I think it was just a week before we locked down. No, no, sorry. A, a couple of weeks after lockdown, the dates sort of confuse me. But he died of stomach cancer and uh, bowel cancer. But his stomach was the kind of the source of a lot of his um, illness, obviously. And um, I think imagery from that has created because I, I always sort of prided myself on having quite a strong uh, temperament in terms of. Um, in, I watched like I'm a celeb and they're eating kangaroo assholes, and I was like, oh, I could have five of those. I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll dip that in a. In a in a nice mayo, and that would be that would be a nice meal for me. I'm sort of I don't mind eating anything. I'm quite I'm quite ex- excited to explore food, um, and then suddenly I can't even drink a glass of water. And I think uh, some of the uh, I suppose I've, I've been through a bit of a trauma watching um, what happened to him, and um, I think that in some ways probably added to it all. But anxiety, in my experience, seems to not have one exact. Um, source. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of build build up of things, and um, and you just you, you're kind of clutching a little bit around. Sort of go, well, what started it and what whatever. But um, uh, I don't. I think if you're really trying to find the, a specific answer, you're not going to get one. And essentially, you've just got to ride ride that crazy wave. Yeah, and they say that it's sort of a symptom is something that always starts with a gentle knock, just sort of like a little little something and then if you ignore it and you keep doing whatever it is that's triggering you it'll the knock will get a bit louder and then it turns into a bang and then it's like breakdown and so i i think that busy people and showbiz people as well you know where we're trained to always be sort of shiny and fun and come with the good anecdotes and be the sort of life and soul of the party. And so therefore, we are very, very inclined to miss those early symptoms because we're so busy focusing on others. And we're performers as well. So we're just built to perform, even in our sort of social environments, even with each other over the phone. There's an element of it at all times. And so I think that for a lot of people anyway, that the lockdown has created this stillness that you cannot escape from. And so therefore you can hear the knocking louder than ever before. I'm really sorry uh, about what happened with your friend. And I, uh, I imagine it must be quite strange to not have that person to call during a time like this when you're so used yeah. to witnessing your life. It's also strange to not have, um, not have the chance to grieve properly you know because you sort of you've he died and then everything changed and so we didn't we had like a a, you know 10 people at the funeral or whatever we didn't have like a proper thing and um we will eventually but you know with he had a lot of friends a lot of people loved him and um we didn't get that farewell we didn't get that kind of shared crying and hugging and all of that because we weren't allowed to um and so I sort of feel like I've got delayed grief as well. Like I've got this sort of pending um, sadness because actually a lot of the time, and, and actually I'm, I'm generally quite good with grief anyway. I'm sort of relatively philosophical about it, but I haven't cried as much as I would have liked because um, I love a good cry. Mm-hmm. But I really like get it out um, and I haven't done that. It'll come. It'll come when you least expect it and least want it. Perhaps on <laughs> um, this podcast. <laughs> why? Yeah, exactly. I was a challenge. Challenge accepted, Joe. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, why are you good at dealing with grief normally? How are you philosophical about grief? I feel like that could be handy to everyone right now, considering that we are surrounded by it. We are just marinating in grief currently. Uh, oh, well, I, I'm not sure I've got any wisdom to impart. It's just, um, it's just the way I handle grief. Just stiff up I've only it. had the kangaroo yeah, asshole just, theory. <laughs> just yeah. Shove more in. Grief. Yeah. 
What you have to do is you have to, if you lose one friend, you have to kill another so that you sort of overwhelm yourself with it and then you get on, move on. No, um, I find when my, when my grandfather died and then another friend of mine died and I was very sad about both of them, I have a really, uh, normally it takes me a few days and normally around the funeral a few days after, I have a massive cry, like a proper Claire Danes in Romeo and Juliet, like, what sort of ah, like ug- the, ugly ah, cry. Yeah. I love a big, oh. ah. Yeah, big one on of them. That. Get it out. It's like doing a big poo. It's like a big old grief poo. And then... Um, <laughs> out of your eyes. <laughs> out of your eyes. You do a little grief poo out of your eyes. It is mad though, isn't it? Crying. Like what What evolutionary purpose does it serve to sort of leak out of your face? I know, but I have a fucking like allergic reaction to tears. I don't know if other people have this, but my face cannot cope with salt water at all. So as soon oh. as I cry, I immediately look like I've just got two bollocks that have replaced where my eyes used to be. My once I would, I... big brown eyes and are just two old Gandhi bollocks. That's it. I love that. Yeah. I might have to I might have to draw that. I might have to do a painting of that. Thank you. Yes, please. Um so I can't I can't even the whole time I'm crying, I have to this is really embarrassing, but I can never fully immerse myself in grief because the whole time yeah. I'm crying, I have to like immediately ask James to go get me like a, a cold wet cloth. So I have to sit there. Yes. Ah, wash 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 wash. Ah, wash 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 wash. Soap 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 water water water. Ah. So I'm having an allergic reaction the entire time I'm crying. So I haven't gotten to fully indulge in a big old week oh. in Ages. Mate, it's so good. It is really good. You need to pop something on. What will trigger it? Like Titanic or something like that. No, Just I don't. I, really only like... how much I fucking hate Titanic is the only thing that would make me cry. I hate that oh, film. Don't care. Don't I care. Only... <laughs> I only mention it just because I, I cried heavily at that when I was a child. I'm not sure if I watched it now, whether it would affect me. Why don't you like the film? I don't know. I think <laughs> my mum loved the film. And so we went and saw it in the morning and then she made me see it four more times that day. Because <laughs> she just loved it so much. And it Sorry? was just showing all day. So, Sorry. <laughs> So you saw you saw Titanic five times in one day. I think it was either four or five times, but we just stayed and watched it again and again and again. I mean, fair enough. It's, it's <laughs> that is, that is too many times. That's too God, many times to watch I Titanic. Really tied, I haven't somehow tied that to why I hate that film. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know, you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally. And they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Anyway, we uh, we took talking about your very serious loss of a friend to the stupidest place ever. Are you checking your temperature yeah. again? Okay, checking Just it again. Saying, I've gone I've gone down by point one. Okay, I'm thirty seven now. There you go. So we're saving, I'm cool, I'm I'm saving cooling your down, life I'm cooling down. in real time. You are. Um, all right, sorry, we've gone yeah. on such a tangent. Uh, okay, so yeah, so so next time I have a weep, Terms of Endearment, that is the film that always kills me and I, I cry okay. and cry and cry. So I'm going to I'm gonna do that. So you are yet have to a, have... Have a Benadryl before, you know, some sort of antihistamine so yeah. that your skin doesn't blow up. Or maybe sort of to put some sort of Vaseline on the cheeks so it just sort of rolls off the Vaseline. I think, I think that's a good idea. Um, so you are yet to have the big poo out of your eyes, the big cry. And I've had a few little poos okay. out of my eyes. Just farts. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some little farts. <laughs> I love that idea that you do little gassy farts, cry farts, but, and they make fart noises. And then is it like because life isn't back to normal, does that make it more surreal? Um, yeah. I guess because yeah. therefore it doesn't, you're so used to going to place, I guess, with that person. I don't want to harp on about this. I'm not trying to make you cry on this podcast. I just, I think because I, I know people, I lost someone uh, a couple of months ago and I know that a lot of people have during this particular time and mm. it's something that not a lot of people are talking about. So I really appreciate you even telling me that. Um, and it's okay to not feel all the things right now because everything is so surreal and and so abnormal and you're not yet going to the places maybe you went to with your friend. So if you are out there and you have lost someone and you feel bad for maybe not having had your big poo cry, um, mm. which is what I will now forever refer to it as, yeah. uh, then there's nothing wrong with you. You're just on pause, grief on pause. Yeah. For a little bit. Grief on pause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about love? Have you been uh, doing any social distance shagging? God, I wish, mate. No, <laughs> I. Uh, it's been a long old time since someone has actually wanked me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all I'm after, really. Yeah. Just I'm not wank. even after... I'm not even after full pen, just like a, a, a nonchalant. <laughs> Did you just say full pen? As full pen. Penetration, unbelievable. Full yeah. full pen for sure. Um, no, just a nonchalant hand job would do do the world of good. Right. Have you thought about doing the, the sort of stranger wank? You know, you sit in your hand for three minutes and it goes numb and then you use that and then it feels. Have I? And um, yes. <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't have the dexterity for that. I feel like because it's not it, that that doesn't. There's a few wanks that I don't agree with. There's that one. There was one that was described to me when I was um, at school, which is known as the danger wank. Are you familiar with this? Yes. Go on, but explain it to those who didn't grow up around um, other. I don't know. If I remembered this the other day. Neanderthals. Um, basically, you shout "Mum," <laughs> and then you start. You're in your room. <laughs> you're in your room, and you shout "Mum." And then you start wanking and you have to jizz before she comes up to your room. It's the danger wank. Oh, and you've got no one to do that with right now? Because you've been doing a cat. solo... I could, I could ask the cat. <laughs> Winston? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, could call the cat up. And also I've got... I, I sleep in the attics. He's got two flights of stairs to get up, so... Are you enjoying but, not being in a relationship right now during this pandemic? I fucking love it. That's I, I really love spending time on my own. I I'm so fun on my own. What? I'm a re, you're real a riot. <laughs> I'm a real drunk guy. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's what the main thing that I've learned in lockdown is that I really don't need the amount of human stimulus that I thought I did. And I think like a bit of a chat with someone, even just over text or whatever, a day, and I'm done. I don't need I don't need to be seeing people. I don't need to have a lunch with someone, and then a dinner, and then phone calls and meetings and all this. I don't need it. What I 
love is quiet time with with my because I, I find that every every interaction I have with someone needs sort of um, percolating afterwards. It needs to be thought through and to really kind of uh, get the most out of it. And a lot of what I was doing pre-lockdown was having interactions with people and doing mad stuff like hosting TV shows and things that are just not sort of human and normal. And um, and then having to sort of deal with those and work them all out in about 30 seconds and then get on to the next thing. So It's no life. It's no life. No, I agree. Like, I've had a big old wake-up call during this pandemic, during this lockdown of... What's that? Just, I was working too hard. I was working so yeah. much. And it's why I was making a lot of mistakes and being really fucking careless publicly. And just, I was in chaos for years because you're just like going from one thing to the next thing, to socialising, to go back and then try to be a, a girlfriend, try to be a good employee, try to be a good boss, a colleague. Like it just, it was so much. Yeah. I didn't have a second to stop, to read, to learn, to chill, yes. to figure, to reassess. Yeah where I'm at like if you think about how much we change year to year and you know before we're I don't know in our 40s or 50s it's so dramatic and so to not have any moment for respite to sort of I don't know recuperate from that change means that you just end up making all these terrible mistakes you can't access your instincts as easily and I I think I think it's only part of why I've been a bit of a twat sometimes the last couple of years in other ways I am just a twat and I'm just ignorant but I do think that I've just recognised that I wasn't looking after my health, my mental health, I had anxiety, and I was missing my actual life. And actual life yes. we started to associate with going out and climbing mountains and seeing millions of friends. But actually, sometimes life is just what happens to you like in yeah, your kind of most solitary down. moments. Yeah, truly. And so yeah. I, I call mine a sit and stare, which I haven't had time to yeah. do. So coming out a of this. A sit and stare. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Quentin Crisp Quentin Crisp wrote a lot and spoke a lot about how he did, not, I'm obsessed with Quentin Crisp. I've, I've read his stuff loads, um, how he would just do nothing. And people found that really annoying. And they'd say, well, surely you must do something. You must listen to the radio or something. And he'd go, uh, no. Uh, he'd say, I concede, uh, occasionally I blink. Uh, and he'll say things like that. And he just used to love uh, doing nothing. That yeah. was his favourite thing to do. Well, coming out of this, obviously everyone needs to work, everyone needs to make money, but I definitely want to change how much obligation I feel to to be sociable, to work, to do everything that comes along. You know, I think because yeah. you and I, you and I m both kind of found success uh, in a very kind of sudden moment. And so I think that when that happens and when you know that you're so lucky to have found that moment of success, you then feel guilty about the idea of saying no to anything because you always yeah. feel like, well, my moment's going to run out. And you had well, such I a, like, it was so fast. I mean, I feel like maybe it was 2013, the first time I ever saw you do stand up in that tiny little theatre in London. And then within mm. just a couple of years, you're a household name. But I've seen, you, I've seen your rise. Just It was just so fast and... That must have just been a situation where a you feel obligated to do everything, go every go everywhere. As a stand up, you're in a different city every single day. Sometimes mm, you're on these ridiculous yeah. BMS tours, and then you're also hosting TV shows and then being super sociable. Um, what was it like for you becoming famous really fast? Well, see, I would dispute the. I did. I didn't feel that it f happened that fast. Actually, it, I, I think lots came at once in the last few years in terms of telly gigs but in terms of getting recognized it did feel because you do that thing when the first time you go on telly i did um eight out of ten cats mm -hmm. that what it's called yes it is yes um i still forgot what long, the show Jesus. was i know yeah um because there's a spin-off now isn't there so that's like a british panel show for um for your american listeners and uh a very popular one at that and i went on as a guest uh maybe four or five years after starting stand-up and it's the sort of thing that people that i went to school with and know kind of clocked because you know not many people go on that show that you know i suppose um but I was expecting to finish doing that show and step out into the street and just paps going off and, you know, being all the papers and, you know, all of that sort of stuff and nobody gave a shit. <laughs> um, and so then you realize, you start to realize it, it's a, it's an accumulation of work that starts to get you recognized. And then I've just gone through the whole cliched thing of like, and, and I, I, I 
genuinely never got into stand up or uh, I've, I've not never made decisions based on being famous there's a there's there's a distinction in terms of growing your profile in order to do the things that you want to do but i always just want to make things and want to have the uh the freedom. ability to freedom to make the things i want to make mm-hmm. and when you're doing something like stand up obviously you want to show off to as many people as not quite as many people as possible because arenas st- still slightly um, frighten me. But, um, you know, you want to have a big audience. So you do want to get a bit famous in order to kind of get that audience. But um, I've gone through the cliche thing of uh, getting a bit of fame and having a confusing relationship with it and not entirely liking it once I've uh, achieved it um, and finding it uh, sometimes a bit disruptive and just sort of gets... For example, and this is uh, this is a, a quite an extreme example. I was in the hospital with my friend. This was um, I don't know about six months or so ago, and I went to the cafeteria to go and um, have um, a bit of lunch. And I sat down and I was having this lunch. And this woman came over to me and she's like, "Oh my god, I love the sewing bee." Um, I love that show and my friend loves it as well. And she's in hospital. She's just having um, spinal surgery, actually, that she's just having it right now. Do you, can you film a video for her to just to say about? And I was like, yeah, fine. And then so she just started filming me and I was like, what's her name? And she had a complicated name and I got it wrong a couple of times. And she's, and she's sort of like, <laughs> so, no, no, it's like this. And so then I'm like, going, oh, sorry. Um, uh, hello. And then I'm like, uh, 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 hope you're having fun. Uh, I'm glad you like the show, sewing me. And then I'm thinking, why have you said hope you're having fun? You're having fucking spinal surgery. And that's, so then you just sort of having this sort of panic moment and then like I'm dealing with like I, I don't feel like a famous person at that point I feel like a friend who's in a hospital like helping someone with their grief and I just did this video and then I sat back and my other friend was with me and she was like what the fuck was that like what mm. you, you just said a load of weird things I'd love to see that video because it is just <laughs> it's just me being <laughs> fuck going hope you're having fun as your spine gets ripped out or whatever the fuck they're doing to you if, and, um, um, if you're out there and you took that video of Joe Li- Lysette please uh, tweet it at me at Jamila Jamil and I will yeah. post it with this episode and the thing is, there's no malice. There's nothing but joy and love there, essentially. She's she's worried about her friend. Uh, she thinks that this video will help her friend. And it, who knows, it may well have done. Um, it, it's all it's all good, but I didn't sign up for it at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's all, and, and it just comes at you and you suddenly like, oh shit, yeah, I'm famous. And you sort of forget. And um and parts of that I find difficult yeah. sometimes. Yeah, Most of the time, I love meeting people because everyone's so nice to me. I'm not, um, I'm not a particularly controversial figure, so people aren't going like, "Oh, you wanker" or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure that will change, but um, uh, <laughs> after this podcast, well, once once the bodies are found, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so it's uh, I, I, I've gone through a quite. Uh, yeah, a sort of cliched thing of going like, oh, this is exciting. Oh, this is annoying now, isn't it? It's quite um, funny. I, I was, I remember last time I was in London about a year and a half ago, I was having a blazing, very obvious row with my brother. Like the way that only siblings can fight. And we yeah. were screaming at each other in the middle of Soho, like fully just furious, just both of us red in the face, which is really hard for brown people to achieve. You have to be very, <laughs> very red to be able to see yeah. that complexion on us. And a girl just fully, and she, she had no bad intention, but she came up to me and she was like, this is my shot. <laughs> I'm going to get a picture with her. And came up to me in the middle of the argument and broke up the fight to ask me for a selfie and a video for her friends and she just yeah. kept on saying sorry 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 but just still kept on doing it and still kept on photographing and filming and you're just like well i guess that is part and parcel of this extreme it's privilege a, that we are yeah. afforded but it is really funny some of the moments that i have taken pictures of people are just unbelievable sometimes when i'm in hospital i've taken pictures of the nurses like uh, yeah. yeah it's just it's just a it's a funny old thing does it make it hard to date well, uh, yeah, yeah, if I was dating, I am really, I mean, I've, so I've, I've occasionally, this is what happens to me. I get horny about three times a year. Um, <laughs> when the moon is at its, <laughs> uh, no, I just, <laughs> I, I get horny about three times a year. It's normally when I've just finished a big job and, and like the finish, not a hand job. Um, I've just finished like a big work thing and I think, oh, I'm like, it'd be nice to have a cuddle. 
But then I, um, I've realized I'm like a cat. I'm have, having Winston, who I've only looked after during, um, lockdown. He's my friend's cat who I've basically adopted. And I've never had a cat looked after a cat before and I really like him and I think it's because he has a similar temperament to me which is he loves like a cuddle and whatever and then suddenly goes oh I feel vulnerable and you can't predict when it's going to happen and then he's just not interested in you at all and just fucks off and then he'll come back for a little bit and then but there's no consistency with it unless it's around food and I'm like that I I want a cuddle and um, and by cuddle I mean full pen and then um once the cuddle's done yeah and I've had a bit of a kind of actual cuddle afterwards I did I sort of just want to get on with my life then and so for the that's rest not of great the season for, for the rest of the season until the moon reaches its um its peak again or wherever it is um so, and I think it's a, slightly a product of the amount of work, but also just, um, I think that's just sort of slightly my temperament. And that's not great for most people and not looking for someone who's like that. No, no, that's not ideal. That's not a very giving relationship or it would take a very long time to have a sustainable relationship with you. Because yeah, Because the dates are so far and few between. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, that's it. And so I just haven't. So, um, uh, you know, I had, I've had little bits of kind of, um, interest or whatever. And I, people tell me that I'll just find someone and I'll whatever. And I'm open to that. I'm, I'm totally open to the whole thing. But what I've realized is for a long time, I was dating people because I felt like I should be dating people. And then actually all you end up doing is kind of wasting their time because you get to a certain place. And then I just go, actually, I'm not going to be able to see you that much because I'm working or whatever. And I don't, for whatever reason, don't put the effort in. And so I just don't feel like I don't want to piss anyone off and I don't want to waste anyone's time. Can I um, ask you about your sexuality, Joe Lysette? Yeah, go on then. Um, you have spoken publicly about being pansexual, which is something <clears throat> yeah. that not a lot of people will say. I, uh, I sort of alluded to my own pansexuality and was met with extreme mockery. Uh, what? How did it go for you? Fine. And then um, I had a horrible week when a Lib Dem MP came out as pansexual and I didn't say anything for most of the time, but everyone had a go. I can't remember what her name is. And we just felt like this just wall. I think pansexual was trending on Twitter and there's this wall of people being like, oh, it's another fucking nonsense thing. You know, everyone just mm -hmm. sort of are jumping on that um, and seeing it again as like a kind of woke uh, um Bandwagon, is, uh, yeah. A bandwagon and all that. And... um and in some ways, I sort of don't disagree with them because, like, I have jumped on the bandwagon because I've heard a word that I felt defined me better than any other. And so without hearing that definition, I didn't invent the term pansexual, uh, without hearing that, without somebody creating a wagon, a bandwagon, I wouldn't have got on the bandwagon. Right, but I think there's a difference between saying someone's learned a new term that they find they identify with versus someone said, oh, that would make me sound trendy and they don't actually identify with that sexuality, but they say they do in order to be allowed in some sort of magical fun club, which they consider yeah. the LGBTQ plus IA plus uh, hugely um, but, uh, but marginalised what, what group I will, to be. Yeah. What I will say, and this, you know, I'm saying it to you because you're not a Times reporter, is even though I agree with everything that you just said, I do still feel like being pansexual is cool. Like, I feel really cool being pansexual. I'm glad I am. I feel like it's a part of me that I'm proud of that's like, I'm, I'm the flavor of the moment. I'm not being stoned to death. Cool. <laughs> like, I'm, I feel, I feel at this point in time, I'm glad that I'm pansexual right now rather than. Years ago. Even 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Because it's so... Uh, Will you would you explain... Uh, so I'll explain, yeah. Yes, okay. So explain. Because the whole time that we'd known each other and before, you had uh, defined yourself as bisexual. And yes, so, which I still do. Yeah. I still... So basically, um, I, I'm bisexual, so I'm attracted to both men and women. Uh, the problem with that word and... It's not a huge problem. I don't really give a shit. Um, but it's an intellectual... The reason I use pansexual is it's an intellectual uh, way of describing how I feel about um, my sexuality. Uh, 
you can define your sexuality in all sorts of beautiful uh ex- sort of re- remarkable ways um you could be attracted to um young people older people you might like a daddy kind of uh, an otter sort of figure or you know you, there's all sorts of an different otter? um yeah do you know what an otter is no it's like a sort of younger sort of um a young bear basically young That's hairy young hairy chubby it, sort of vibe well uh, less chubby really more sort of ottery with little paws okay um so there's all sorts of different things and gender is one of them and i can't deny that certain times i'm more attracted to certain genders than others but often it's just to do with the individual and not sometimes it's not even that it's just like you just feel a bit sort of sexy in that moment and it doesn't really matter who it is some you know you get the the look of someone and you think well that'll do and you just <laughs> get kind of you feel like sexy um my friend came up with this theory about um do you think you could have a wank over a really good wank so rather than like thinking about some having sex with somebody or whatever an individual you just have a you you think back to a really good wank that you had and think oh that was so, such a good wank that I could wank about that wank <laughs> does that make sense to you in any way yes I'm interested in yeah? yeah 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 so it so I mean, I've kind of gone off on a tangent there but basically there's no there's no gender there there's no individual there's no yeah. the sexuality is just sexuality you just you're just having a wank and <laughs> um <laughs> You're just having a wank, mate. And so I sometimes I'm just having a wank and Fair it doesn't enough. matter if it's male, female, uh, whatever it is. Um, you're just a sexual being. And so pan obviously means all. And so it just it's an, uh, a kind of catch-all term for basically saying I'm open to anything. And um, and often my sexual um, attractions and the things that sort of get me going a little bit are unpredictable and they're not um, in – they're not entirely, they are somewhat uh, uh, controlled by gender, but not in, nowhere near entirely. Like that's one element. And often it's like the shape of an arm or the, you know, the way someone looks at you, or if you've had a bit too much to drink and you just are feeling a bit nimble, it's all of those things. Yeah. For me, I, f- I fall in love with people and I'm attracted to people based predominantly on personality. So yeah. that's why. So your personality sexual. Yeah, truly, like I have. Or like nice, nice personality sexual. <laughs> funny sexual. Unless you like a yeah. no, I like funny, a funny, funny person. sexual. Yeah, I'm a funny sexual. Yeah. Let's see how that goes down in the fucking next Times interview that I do. Yeah. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance. Jewelry luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. I, I think that's what it is, is that I fall in love with people and I'm attracted to people and I don't have a type. Every single person I've ever dated looks completely different from the other uh, and they are completely different. It's just if they make me laugh or not. And so that could be a man, a woman or a gender non-conforming person. But I think it's really good to have that, uh, to have someone speak about it in a way that just doesn't make it sound like a trend or a phase. You're just, you just love who you love. You fancy who you fancy. And I don't think that that should be something that's terribly dramatic. The fact that it's still met with such ridicule. I mean, I understand it's not unpredictable that pansexuality would still be something that is so mocked when we still haven't really come to terms with bisexuality. Like biphobia 
are still no. very real. And I'm sure that you yeah. must have dealt with that all the time with people being like, are you gay or are you straight? I'm in a, you know, a hetero relationship with a man right now. So therefore people have said that therefore I cannot possibly be bisexual or anything other than completely straight because I've mm. chosen to have a specific life partner. I've fallen in love yeah. with the person, not the gender. Yeah. No, the, the, the people are so um, curious, aren't they? The way they sort of suddenly um, decide that they know what you are better than you do. Um, uh, the, the bi thing, I've noticed most of the biphobia I've had is from the gay community and uh, often sort of older gay men. I wrote a blog about this years ago because Christopher Biggins said something about um, how bisexual men ruin women's lives, is what he said, because basically we, we're kind of on the road to being gay. We haven't worked that out yet. And so we fanny about with women and they get attached and then we ruin their lives because then we go, oh, SARS, we're gay, actually. And um, I can sort of understand from that generation why you would say that because people – you know, died uh, in order for us to have the right to sort of sleep with uh, whoever we want to, you know, as long as everyone's consenting. And naturally you create communities and little sort of spaces for yourself that are safe, like all the gay – I love the gay scene in Birmingham particularly, and that's a safe space for uh, those people. And if suddenly there's people like me coming in going, well, I'm a bit you, but I'm a bit over there as well, I can see why you're a, a bit like, well, hang on, what are you? Because – are you trying to attack me or not? Are you a threat? So I do get that. I understand why that's happened um, to some degree. But you would hope that, you know, it doesn't take long for you to go, no, I'm I'm entirely with you. I'm just also going to go and smash some fucking puss. <laughs> not right now. Because that's the other thing is that people think that bisexual people are naturally more... Uh, uh, Promiscuous. Sorry, I'm just. No. I'm. I'm just enjoying smashing how some much puss. I got. Uh, how I got. How much I got away with saying smashing some puss. Yeah. <laughs> um, as long as it, <laughs> look, as long as that puss is consenting to the smashing, then I, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. So I sort of. I've. I've shocked myself with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I sort of gone. Oh gosh. How unbecoming. <laughs> well, it's been it's been four and a half months since you've seen some puss, so I'm not surprised that, you know. It's been a lot getting... longer than that. Jesus. <laughs> when was the last time I saw a puss? God. Other than Winston. Other than good old Winston. Well, look, no, but what I was saying is that, you know, bisexual people are also considered to be more promiscuous. So therefore, I can't imagine what they think about pansexual people. Because you, you assume, you're like, well, you if you're... If you're always attracted to perhaps the other gender, then um, if you are also attracted to the other gender, then therefore you can never be fully faithful to someone who is just one of those binaries yeah, because your yeah. eyes are... And it's like, it's, that's not a thing. That's the same as being unfaithful if you're a straight person in a relationship. Exactly. Like there, are, there are billions of people on this planet who you could be attracted to or want to have sex with or want to cheat with, yeah. and you don't. You're either a cheater or you're not. Your sexuality does not make you more or less promiscuous. just changes yeah. who you're attracted to or who you can fall in love with. Yeah, it's it's a, it's quite a lazy um, thing there, isn't it? And also the, the, the kind of accusation that you're um, more promiscu promiscuous is um, is unfounded, at least in my experience, because I only have three opportunities a year to be promiscuous with my um, with my um, horniness. But also, if you are really promiscuous, nothing wrong with that. As no. long as you're being safe, like just fuck whoever you want. As long as everyone's up for it, shag all day. That's lovely. It's nice to have a little shag. I agree. I have more, but I have more promiscuous straight friends than I do bi or pan. Or gay friends, even. Well, I'm glad that we've had this chat. I think that yeah. that's, I think that's important. And I think that no one should ever feel like you're just trying on a costume if you say that you are pansexual, if you identify as whatever sexuality. It's all fine. Love and, and sex is good. And fighting and being mean is bad. <laughs> so you should feel yeah. no shame around just loving who you love. Um, that's nice. Fighting and being mean is bad. bad. I might get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> okay, so... Another thing I want to talk to you about ever so briefly, because I don't want to take up loads of your time, because um, I know you like to be alone. I'm having a, I'm having a <laughs> lovely time. Um, this is a podcast where we touch upon 
things like sexuality, we touch upon shame, we touch upon mental health, but we also talk about activism. And you are someone who I'm not sure everyone recognises as an activist, even though I fully, fully deem you as one. You are just the most Mm. lulls activist on the planet. Uh, You have decided to take it upon yourself to be the knight in shining armour to people and their complaints. Will you please Mm. explain your new role in society over the last couple of years? So, uh, in an, uh, as quickly as I can describe it, um, in my stand-up, uh, I discovered quite early on that I could, I found this sort of little niche, and it's not a niche particularly that I've discovered from, uh, I'm not the only person that's done it, loads of other comics have done similar things, but essentially writing correspondence, emails and letters and whatever to generally bureaucratic institutions, local councils and big companies and whatever, and just basically piss about with them. Um, uh, it's You like the, to write a good of, complaint letter. I love writing a complaint letter and I'm, I, I get myself real, really riled up and then I can really go for it. I had a bit about I had a bit about um, getting a parking fine and I responded to it and God, it was so funny and everyone thought I was absolutely amazing and uh, it did very well and went viral and I'm a viral superstar. It did. Thank you. Anyone out there so that I don't have to make Joe do this again, uh, please go and look up Joe Lysett parking fine and it's truly one of the funniest five minutes of your life. Um, But go on. So... um, as my profile started to rise, then TV companies were interested in making a TV show with me and they were asking me what I sort of want to do and whatever. And with um, uh, the guidance of a, a few different wonderful people who I've now ended up making the show with, I've I've done two series now of a show called Joe Lysett's Got Your Back. And it's sort of like, um, there's an old British format called That's Life, which is where um, uh, it was hosted by Esther Ranson and it would be, basically taking on complaints from people and sort of seeing where you, you know there's a, a newer program called watchdog which is a similar thing so it's consumer issues so my boiler's gone and the company's ignoring me what are you going to do about it and then the tv company comes in and helps but because i'm a comedian i do it uh, as comedically as possible so we take on these um uh these big stories and we try and tackle them in a funny way and we do that one because i'm a comedian but also because uh it's one thing that I think activism at its best does really well. When you see a really funny placard at a protest, that can be very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, f- humour can really, a lot of company, well, individuals and companies are terrified. They don't really mind being exposed to doing wrongdoing as long as they kind of can just about get away with it. But PR companies really go into kind of overdrive when they feel that the companies they're representing are being made to look silly because that can be so damaging to a brand. Mm-hmm. Um uh, the the big example this year that I did was um, on the last series we did, we took on a story about a small brewery in Wales called Boss Brewing who had been um, uh, sent a, what's known as a cease and desist letter, which is a legal letter telling uh, the company to stop using uh, the, the word boss because um, – and it would come from the company Hugo Boss because they deemed this little brewery in Swansea to be um, ruining their billion-dollar business. Oops. And so um, we looked into it and um, realised that Hugo Boss had done this to quite a few small companies. And so I decided to tackle this particular issue by realising that Hugo Boss hate their name being used and so changing my name by deed poll to Hugo Boss, which I did for a few months and caused somewhat of a storm. Um, it, was and Hugo Boss so, were- it was so funny. I can't believe you officially legally changed your name to yeah. Hugo Boss and then you changed yeah. all your social media handles and only referred to yourself as Hugo Boss. Do you change all your yeah, mail, and- everything? Everything. And the only thing that I couldn't get done was the passport and the driving license because I changed my signature to a, uh, it was Hugo Boss, but it looked like a cock and balls. And apparently that's um, not allowed <laughs> on those things. So um, I've got a wonderful, I need to get it framed actually, the letter from the DVLA who's, that says that you can't have um, an obscenity as your signature is. Um, but yeah, to all intents and purposes, I was Hugo Boss. And I, it was so thrilling those few days when I first announced it and it went like, it went around the world. It was on CNN. It was on like India news. I was getting re- requests to do news all over the world. And, um, 
uh, I think because it's just such a simple idea that kind of made the point well, I think. And it's funny as well. It's such a stupid thing to do. You're also telling um, truth to power. You're making them look really stupid for being this giant decades and decades, decades existing long and reigning, you know, multi, <laughs> just huge corporation who are bullying yeah. this tiny little new brewery over the yeah. use of a word that is just in our language. It's not a new original word. No. How did they respond? The- did they like it? <laughs> No, they didn't. <laughs> we heard from their lawyers, didn't we? Uh, they gave, they, in the end, they put out a statement saying, like, they welcomed me to the family and um, the Hugo Boss family. Um, I will not be going to Christmas this year, I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> and um, that they had constructive talks with the brewery, which the brewery, I imagine, disputes because the brewery were out of pocket by tens of thousands of pounds. And so, um, yeah, they, I, I definitely pissed them off for a while. And the brewery have had so much interest in whatever as a result. You know, they've, uh, I'm not sure exactly, but it wouldn't surprise me if they've made back the money that they lost in legal fees through the added sales. I'd hope so. I love it. Um, so it was, that was good fun. My activism, I suppose, then is I'm always looking for how to keep those companies in check and go, well, hang on, you've got to keep doing that. You've got to keep. You've got to keep making the right decisions, regardless. Yeah, because this 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 company, the the one that I find so skin crawlingly um, uh, infuriating is uh, British Airways, who actively sponsor Brighton Pride, and they have a big um, bus um, every year. And I think Kylie's played on it once, or whatever. So, and they change their logo to the gay flag as well. Done them, uh, and uh, they, you know they they really go for it and show that show off that they're all super pride positive and whatever Mm -hmm. and then they also take uh i think they still take contracts from the home office to deport people lgbt people to countries where it is illegal and dangerous for them to be there so on the one hand they're like oh yeah we really support you know lgbt rights and then on the other hand they're literally taking them back to countries that don't support them and it's like you don't, well then you just sort of don't care do you you're just a, you're just a company that are just making money and you're just trying to find a way of doing it banks do it all the time and so that's where my activism comes in it's like uh it's obviously in my program we do it in a, in a smaller way but essentially it's a, it comes from a distrust of the motivations of companies and um and the way that they treat people and, and often treat them with such um uh, not even the, the employees the uh, not even the customers the employees they treat them with such lack of dignity a lot of the time um because of course they don't a company doesn't care if you live or die as long as they keep making money yeah well i think that it's a good this year has been a good lesson for us to see how many people have been so performative and then as soon as they do it, they get called out by their employees about horrendous mistreatment. We've seen so many people have to step down from companies. I think what it says to us is that it's wonderful that change is coming and that is down to us as the people for having made so much noise that we now actually have the power. It's also just very important that people recognise that we have all the power. We vote with the dollar and the pound. We are the ones who get to decide who are the big corporations. We get to decide who uh, are the big superstars and the influencers, etc. They don't control us. We control them. We are the puppet masters. It's just been misconstrued all these years where we've thought it was the other way around. So when yeah. you are when you are seeing all these companies engage in all of these things, unfollow, block, mute, delete, and do not give them your money. Start to give your yeah. money to the companies that are actually doing the right thing because you can build them up to be the next super corporation. You have all the power. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Joe, thank and I, you. And, and that's happening so much, isn't yeah. it? It's, oh, yeah. no, hey, but, we could talk about this until days. the cows come home. Um, Joe, thanks for coming on and talking to me about all of this stuff today. I'm going to need you get. I'm going to need to get you back on at some point because there's just so much more to say. Um, but before you go, would you tell me, Joe Lysett, what do you weigh? I was dreading this question because I don't really know. <laughs> um, uh, I think I weigh um, uh, essentially at core uh, a, a, a desire to make the right decisions, uh, to do the right thing, essentially make the right decisions, be kind, um, but also not take anything, anything, and like literally everything uh, too seriously. It's all a nonsense. It's all ripe for being um, uh, picked apart and, and made silly. And uh, it's all a laugh. Well, thank you very much. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's I Weigh. I would also like to thank the team which helps me make this podcast. My producers, Sophia Jennings and Kimmy Lucas, my editor, Andrew Carson, my boyfriend, James Blake, who made the beautiful music you are hearing now, and me for my work. At iWay, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWayPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, it's not in pounds and kilos. It's your social contributions to society or just how you define yourself in life. And now, we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners. I weigh LGBTQ plus rights. I weigh animals rights. I weigh human rights. I weigh women's rights. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.